You're a busy provider trying to stay current with the latest HIV testing, prevention, and treatment guidelines, and your pockets are overflowing with note cards. You need a convenient, trustworthy source for HIV testing, treatment, prevention, and care protocols. All healthcare professionals have a role in stopping HIV. Introducing HIV Care Tools from the AIDS Education and Training Center program. The HIV Care Tools mobile app is simple, free, and fully functional offline or online. It features quick guides for HIV prevention, screening, testing, diagnosis, and treatment. HIV Care Tools provides common clinical calculators used in HIV management and provide validated screening tools for comorbidities such as depression, substance use disorders, and PTSD. And if you need clinician-to-clinician consultation, HIV Care Tools provides one-touch access to free clinical consultation services by a multidisciplinary team of experts. Take us with you. Download HIV Care Tools today. Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Breitman. Today, we're back with John Farragon to talk about the use of lencapavir for HIV infection. Thanks for being here as always, John. Yeah, thanks, Mariana. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk about lencapavir for some of these patients that really, really don't have a lot of options left. So, so John, when did this investigational drug for HIV infection first get on our radar? Well, it's, it's, we've known about it for a little bit. We know that this is a, a new class of drugs called um, a CAPS inhibitor, but long story short, there's some recent data from, from the 11th uh, International AIDS Society meeting. Um, and I think uh, this, this study that they talked about was the Capella study. And this is where um, I think lenocapavir is gonna be an important medication for people whose current antiretroviral therapy is not working. Um, and especially for those people who have a lot of resistance to either most or even all of the currently used drugs. Um, some of these patients actually achieved an undetectable viral load after being, being given lenocapavir. So I think for those of you who don't know, this is a, this is continuing to be under development and it can be given um, as a subcutaneous shot. So this is another injectable drug that will be available. But the key thing about this is that it's actually given twice a year. So it's actually a six month subcutaneous under the skin injection. I, I, I think right now the current formulation, it's, I think it's three different shots. Uh, maybe, maybe two, but they're, they're on the fence about, I think, changing some of these. Bottom line is, it, even if it's three shots, it's only going to be every six months. And I think that's really the, really the key point um, uh, that, that really highlights on a cap for not only its efficacy, but also its advantages from a, from a dosing standpoint. And how does it work exactly? Yeah, so I kind of alluded to this. The lenocapavir is known as a capsid inhibitor. And the way I think about this, uh, you know, this is the first medication in this class. And Think of the capsid as kind of like the, the package for the uh, HIV's genetic material. And, and um, that package or that capsid is, is a distinguishing marker of the HIV virus. And lenocapavir actually, um, in order to unleash the, to, to release the viral contents, this, this capsid has to be dissolved. And, and basically, lenocapavir inhibits that virus from unsheathing um, its capsid to release its genetic material which is now transcribed into DNA, uh, into the cell's nucleus. And then it has to be reassembled at the end too for when you have a non-infectious uh, virion that comes off and becomes infectious off of off the CD4 cell, it has to be, the capsid has to be reassembled and that um, the slenocapavir actually works there as well. So it works in capsule disassembly, but also works in capsule assembly 
uh, on, on the tail end of, of the viral cycle. So it kind of works in both spots, which I think is really, really cool. But cl clearly the key here though, is this twice a year uh, shots, you know, given, given, you know, just having to given this, you know, being able to get this every six months, I think it's really a, a huge advantage for, for some of these patients. Can you tell folks a little bit more about this Capella study that you mentioned? Yeah, so I talked a little bit about the one that was at the AIDS Society meeting, but earlier this year, the, the CROI conference, which is the retroviruses and opportunistic infection study, um, the first results were announced from the Capella study, which is looking at, again, the safety and efficacy of this, of this uh, drug in highly treatment experienced patients with extensive drug resistance. And a lot of these patients, their HIV regimen currently was failing meaning that they had viral loads that were significant and they weren't undetectable. Um, and this older study found that during the initial two weeks of the study, almost 90% of participants who received lenacapavir had at least a half a log reduction in their viral load. Um, and then if you looked at the placebo patients, the patients who didn't get any drug, just got placebo shot, got only, it was only 17%. So again, statistically significant differences between the two arms meaning that, you know, you really do see a reduction in viral load with lenacapavir early on, even in these patients with very, very little minimal options. Do we have any more data on that? Yeah, so it's a little more on, on the Compella. This is not a placebo-controlled study uh, in which some people never received the investigation drug, investigation drug. Since it involves people who have few other treatment options, everyone ends up eventually getting sub-Q lenacapavir for at least a year. Um, but patients basically had to have a viral load over 400 copies, so again, a high... You know, relatively high viral load, over 400, meaning that they're viremic while on antiretroviral therapy. They had to have HIV resistance to at least two drugs from three out of the four commonly used drug classes. So again, that's really um, looking at nukes, non-nukes, PIs, and integrase inhibitors. And they had to have no more than two fully active agents from any of those four classes. So that's really the key. So these are really patients who don't have a lot of options. These aren't the people that are coming in newly infected and wind up on you know, BF-TAF or they wind up on Dutegavir, Descovy or whatever, Sintuza, whatever decides they use. These are people who've had really minimal options and they have resistance to just about every drug and they have no more than two fully active drugs out of, out of all those four classes that we have available to us. Now, there wasn't a lot of patients enrolled because there's not a lot of patients that fit this criteria, but they took 72 people, they enrolled them in the study and after they were enrolled, they were screened a second time and if they had, their viral load had declined to below 400, or they had more than a half log reduction in their viral load, they were put straight into this, into a non-randomized um, uh, group in which they receive what we call open label, meaning that the providers and the patients know that they're getting lenacapavir, plus some best combination of drugs that were picked by, by all the investigators. Um, and it could be devised uh, given their resistance profile, and they figure out which meds are best, and then they combine uh, lenacapavir with that. This regimen that they talk about is often called an OBR or an optimized background regimen. And, and um, so the 72 people were enrolled in the original study, there was 36 people in this non-randomized group who really had no, really no options um, and, and, and had uh, an optimized background regimen. Um, if their viral load had not declined since screening, they went into a randomized group where people received either oral lenacapavir or placebo for two weeks. And so they were, they, and, and so they were basically receiving monotherapy because they had no real options because all the other drugs in their regimen were failing. And after this two week period of oral lenacapavir, a, a pill on each, each day on days one, two, and then one more on day eight, um, this, uh, this group actually of 24 had their first lenacapavir injection as well as an OBR. And then the other 12 randomized patients had placebo pills for two weeks 
and then took lenacapavir pills for two more weeks plus an OBR and then the injection. So again, it's a total of 32 patients, but 36 were in the first group. Those were kind of the best patients, had best the most options, 24, um, not a lot of options left, and then 12, not a lot of options either. So again, um, kind of a mix, mix, mix and match of, of having active drugs versus not which drugs, and then you know putting people on lenacapavir to see what would happen. So the average age was 52, about 25% were women, 46% black, 31% Hispanic. And participants had to have, um, have had HIV on average, had HIV for 24 years. And at screening, about half had a viral load over 32,000 and 50% had a CD4 count below 150. So when we think about sick patients, right, we're talking high viral loads, half of them had CD4 counts of, of less than 150. So again, in that, in that kind of area where you're at risk for, for opportunistic infections. Um, resistance to uh, at least two drugs in the, in the NRTI and NRTI classes was almost universal at 80, and 81% um, and 69% had resistance to at least two drugs in the PI and NCD classes. So that's important too, because that's saying about 70% of people had resistance to the integrase inhibitors. Again, those are really, when you see those in clinic and you don't have an integrase inhibitor to use, they really are the more difficult to treat patients because they're just, um, there's just not a lot of options for them that are, of drugs that are really potent enough to, to get them undetectable. And how well did this do? Yeah, so Marianne, when we're looking at this, we probably look at the 36 patients in the randomized group, and that's what we really kind of care about. And, and by week 26, 80, 81% had been, had, were undetectable um, below 50 and 89% below 400. So really great results. Uh, since in more than half of these participants, research, researchers were unable to construct an OBR that had more than one active drug in that OBR. So really incredible numbers, I think, with almost 90% of people getting to under, under 400. Six people had no active drug in their OBR, but nonetheless, four of them actually achieved an undetectable viral load. So this is basically being on lenacapavir monotherapy. You know, there are other meds that are, that are very providing very little op, very little efficacy, but they still were able to use lenacapavir pretty much being on monotherapy and still did okay. Um, 11 participants in this study did not have a viral load below 400 by week 26. Four had developed resistance mutations to lenacapavir. So that's important for us to know too. We are receiving lenacapavir resistance. Um, but three of those whose viral load had initially been suppressed, but then rebounded, actually went on to achieve viral suppression again, um, uh, two without any change to their optimized background regimen, and then one participant who had no active drugs in their OBR never achieved viral suppression, although their viral load did fall 50-fold. So they had some response, just wasn't completely undetectable. Um, another thing that people ask a lot about some of these studies, what's the average CD4 count? How do people do? So the average CD4 count in this group rose from 143 at baseline to over 220 six months later. And, and the proportion of um, CD4 counts below 50 was uh, 22% in the beginning and then fell to zero. So you're really getting these people a CD4 uh, increase as well by putting, on, putting them on lenacapavir, even in the people who have very, very little options, you're still seeing a CD4 response. So really great numbers, I think, overall um, for, uh, for, for this medication. I'll have to see where this goes. I'll have to see what's next. Um, but you know, I think so far, um, lenacapavir is being used for treatment experience patients in, in studies. Uh, there is a treatment-naive study that's, that's available. And also we might see potentially lenacapavir use even in PrEP for pre-exposure prophylaxis and then even some combinations with some of the other medications may potentially be going on in the future. 
when we talk about these kinds of studies, I always have to ask, were there any adverse effects? Yeah, so this is important, right? So we talk about the efficacy a lot, and we often, sometimes we gloss over kind of the adverse events, and it's important for people to know, right? So um, injection site reactions, such as redness, swelling, and pain was the most common, but most of these had resolved within two weeks. Um, 18% of participants had long-lasting nodules or small bumps under the skin at the injection site, and 11% had induration or hardening of those other tissue there uh, lasting uh, uh, 22 weeks and 10 weeks on, on average. So again, the injection site reactions really seem to be the biggest, the biggest concern. I want to just mention this to everybody, though, so just to be, reiterate this, this is every six months, right? So even if it's three shots every six months, you know, versus what we used to do with, uh, with Fusion, giving it twice a day, you know, a nodule here and a nodule there, but that lasts a couple of weeks, I think is one thing versus, you know, it's not like you're getting dosed and dosed and dosed multiple times a day. I think that's an important piece for us to be, um, be aware of when we're, when we're talking about this. So really kind of well tolerated as well. So it looks pretty good so far. I'd be happy to see where this goes in, in the future. John, thanks so much for joining us today and telling us all about this Capella study and the use of lenacapavir to treat HIV infection. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AATC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaatc.org. That's www.necaatc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaatc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaatc.org. Stay safe and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.